So you've decided to give up that old behavior that's been killing you and all you care for and surrender to a power greater than yourself. That's the first step. Surrender is what opens the prison door. Now it's time to walk through that door and into a whole new way of life. Spirituality, self-care, service, social connection, and the simple daily disciplines that pave the way to lasting freedom. This is Positive Sobriety. Welcome to another episode of the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Hey, uh, I'm Nate Larkin uh, here just freezing my ass off in Florida. We're having record cold down here. I came south thinking thinking I'd get a little respite from uh, the frigid temperatures, but the Arctic is creeping uh, our way. That's my only complaint. What's it down to, Nate? Because it was it was eight. What's it down to? Because it was eighteen degrees when I walked my dog at six thirty this morning in Nashville. Okay, (laughs) so let's compare freezing gases. (laughs) Okay, it was it was fifty two in Amelia. No, however, 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 in the forecast for the weekend, it actually for the first time since twenty ten, it's going to get down below forty in Miami. Well, so everybody's right. panicking down here. Okay. okay. Well, I'm, there you I can are, see then. right now I'm getting no sympathy from you. At well, all. you know, thank God you packed your parka. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was in Nashville last weekend. Oh, uh, yeah. I ca- yeah. I came up uh, and spoke for the. Uh, the sheriff's department, Davidson County Sheriff's Department. Yeah, strange. The guy, the guy uh, in charge of training there, heard me speak in Clarksville. Our guest later on in this episode mm-hmm. works up in Clarksville. Right, heard me speak at a little uh, human trafficking uh, program there mm-hmm. four or five years ago, and you know remembered my story and kept my phone number and called and asked if I would uh, do a presentation that they could uh, use during in-service training for mm. all of their 1,000 employees. Wow. So so uh, that was more, uh, you know, th- that's a huge opportunity that I couldn't pass up. And even though Allie was just home from the hospital, mm-hmm. uh, only been home a couple of days, she insisted that I go. My son came and took care of her while I was gone. Oh, nice. I got another... Got another speaking engagement this weekend. My, I'm bring, picking my brother up at the airport in a couple hours. He's going to come and care for Allie while I'm gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's what's happening here. You got anything medical going on there, buddy? Uh, well, let me tell you, um, my uh, my two grandsons, uh, three, and a uh-huh. half, three and a half and two years old, Patrick and Jackson, uh, both tested positive for COVID. Um, oh last week. crap! They got it from oh, a crap. teacher at their little preschool. Teacher didn't know she right. was sick. You know the whole thing. Right, right, right. So they came yeah. home and they've been home for a week and they gave it to their dad. And <laughs> <laughs> their dad got sick and um and and he was uh he is in the national guard and he's uh moved up in his rank and he had a pinning ceremony <laughs> scheduled that was going to be kind of a big deal. Um, sure. Up in Goodlessville here, north of Nashville. And um, then my daughter caught COVID from uh, her husband. Uh, and so they've all been quarantined in their house. They're just about to, you know, uh, bounce off the walls. But sure. um, but the thing is, um, you know, he had this thing uh, that was going to be a big deal, this pinning ceremony and this military uh, thing. And uh, they've had to postpone it, uh, so we'll, oh, we'll wow. get to do that another time. But uh, but our guest today is uh, somebody that works with military people uh, as a very regular part of her world. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, somebody I'm a lifelong civilian. I've got uh, I've got uh, some of my. Let me see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have siblings who've been in the military. Uh-huh. Uh, some honorably discharged, some not so. Uh-huh. Uh, I've got no. I think everybody was honorably discharged. I really do. Okay. And uh, <laughs> in my 
Offici- officially anyway, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, I've got extended families, been in the military. I, I have been around military folks some, and we've got lots of military guys in the Samson Society, but it's not been a part of my, you know, regular life. So I, mm-hmm. I really value anybody can give me some insight into that special uh, life experience, especially as it bears on the issues that we talk about on this, on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And I think that uh, our listeners, even if they uh, have not served in the military, uh, most everybody has some connection to those who have served. Mm -hmm. And uh, if only for that reason, I'm certain you're going to find something helpful from this conversation when we return on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. David, I I am excited about our guest today. For once, you haven't gone to the far reaches of the universe to bring her (laughs) in. That's right. She's not joining us from another time zone or from another continent. You know, she's not at the other coast. Yeah, she's she's up the road at Fort Campbell, not that far from us. Right. Would you? Would you? uh, Would you? Introduce our guest. I will. This is Dr. Carol Cherish, and Carol is uh, located in Clarksville, Tennessee. And Carol works with uh, a number of uh, different uh, communities, but she particularly works with military people who are dealing with addiction. She's licensed in addiction work as a therapist, and she works with trauma and addiction uh, with military folks. And that's a subject I don't think, Nate, we've tapped into too much out of all our hundred and plenty podcasts we've recorded. Yeah, 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 I don't, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, think yeah, we've yeah. talked yeah, a yeah. lot about the kind of the unique nature of addiction and um, substance use and uh, some of the unwanted outcomes that come with uh, our military folks and the unique challenges that they face. So uh, Dr. Carol Cherish uh, is our guest. Carol, welcome to the podcast. We're so glad uh, that we were able to get you today. Well, I appreciate uh, having the opportunity of attending a podcast for the first time. Yeah, yeah. it's great. <laughs> yeah, it's just like having coffee yeah. at home, except with a lot of people. <laughs> exactly, it's great. I just, I think it's a way of the future. And uh, what other better way to, than to sit in someone's household and uh, be, inter- you know, be interviewed? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, 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 yeah. And I'd like to just clarify a couple of things real quick. I have a, uh, I, I'm what they call a counseling psychologist. So I have a PhD and um, I work with the military community. Now I currently work with the active duty soldiers and the spouses as a military family life counselor, but not in an addiction setting. Okay. Mm-hmm. In a counseling setting, but if I'm when I'm working with the soldiers and the families, if I um, ass- further assess that that person has a drinking problem, addiction problem, usually what I will do is refer them out. I will give them the resources, and I will follow up with them a little bit to make sure that they get those resources. Now, in my private practice, I work more with. Uh, p- people who are um, who have addiction issues. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, what I would call co-occurring disorders, where right, right. maybe the person has a history of depression and uh, they've been drinking, mm-hmm. cope with their depression or their anxiety, or if they have other issues such as post-traumatic stress disorder. Right. Sure. Sure. So um, then I will work. M- more, I will work with them more clinically because mm-hmm. at Fort Campbell, my role is kind of non-clinical, if you will. Yeah, right. More like um, here and now, um, uh, just uh, working with um, soldiers, uh, uh, dealing with transitions of life. Mm-hmm. You know, right. Pre-deployment, post-deployments, uh, marital issues, parenting, blended family issues, uh, 
just uh, military life issues mm-hmm. that are quite different than the civilian sector. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Now, do I understand, uh, Dr. Cherish, that uh, you're a veteran yourself? I am. I am. And um, now I'm telling my age, but I did join during the Vietnam era. Wow. And so I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. And uh, I re- at that time, there was no affirmative action. Uh-huh. They couldn't send me to college or anything. So I joined the military, which at that time, uh, maybe one or two percent of women were joining the military. Sure, sure, sure. So I joined the army and because the army needed medics, so they decided what I should be. (laughs) (laughs) As the Uh, army does. Yeah. Yeah. Not my choice. And, uh, but anyways, I was a medic during the Vietnam era. Wow. Wow. I worked, um, in the hospital, worked in the outpatient clinic, worked with a lot of active duty soldiers. And uh, after serving three years, I decided that um, I would get out. And then I decided that the medical arena was not my field. Mm-hmm. I prefer to talk to people than talk with people than taking care of people physically. Right, sure, yeah. Well, so yeah. I, I really inadvertently, got into the arena of counseling quite by accident because I thought, oh, I like to talk to people. I think this is a little better than nursing. And yeah. of course, at that time, uh, back in the 70s, uh, there was not a lot of um, credibility in the counseling arena, nor was there a whole lot of credibility in addiction. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So... And at that time, the field was generic. Uh So if you had a a depression or whatever, psychosis, uh, you were on a psychiatric unit, as well as people who had addiction issues. Right. 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 Yeah. Sort of got thrown together, um, and you everybody ended up on a psychiatric unit. Yeah, and, they treated, and there was no really understanding of PS, PTSD back then either, was there? No, no. So PSD, didn't, that term, didn't really, uh, that term of post-traumatic stress disorder really wasn't as well-defined until mm-hmm. the early 1990s. Uh-huh. Right, right, right. By Dr. Shapiro, because prior to that, if a, if a soldier had been in World War One, World War Two. It was considered shell shock. Shell shock, mm. sure, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and people didn't really have a name for it. They just knew that you know, so you know, Uncle Bud or whoever um, uh, acted a little peculiar, mm-hmm. but yeah, they felt right. they didn't have a name for mm-hmm. it up right. until the nineteen nineties. So after I got out of the military, I was going to school. I went to Johns Hopkins University. Wow. For grad school. And uh, I was working at a hospital called Providence Hospital in Washington, D.C. Worked there for about 22 years. So during that time frame, uh, the field was beginning to grow in both mental health and addictions. Mm -hmm. There was more credibility, better program development, uh, licensure and all of that. Sure. So my goal was to become a counselor. That was my goal. And so and I was working in Washington, D.C., so there was a thinking of let's get some licensure in addictions. Thought, right. What the heck does that mean? <laughs> Seriously. So yeah. the field began to grow mm-hmm. in addictions, and what they were doing is beginning to waver people in to the addictions arena, if you had some kind of clinical background. And I thought, well, I don't really don't know what that means. But all of the while, I've been working in both mental health and addictions. We were taking people, driving people to AA meetings. And uh-huh. we yeah. meetings, but, you know, that is no longer acceptable, right? You can't have a Right, meeting. sure, sure. But that's was my introduction 
to the whole arena of of addictions, right? Yeah. And so in the 90s, there began to be more credibility in SAMHSA, Substance Abuse, Mental Health uh, uh, Association really uh, began to explore this area. And NADAC, which is the National Addiction Organization out of Virginia, uh-huh. really tried to start building up the organization, making it mm-hmm. more credible, having better uh, uh treatment facilities for people. Right. I don't know what your backgrounds are, but I, you know, it has grown and it's gotten better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's much yeah. more humane. Yeah. 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 Inpatient treatment, outpatient treatment, um, follow up and all of that. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm kind of old school, kind of coming from 30 some years of uh, working in the field now and uh, looking at, how things have really gotten better. Uh, yeah. There's yeah, more, yeah. Um, there's more discussion of it. Um, is there less stigma for those who are? See, I think there is, but there is not. Uh-huh. But I think uh, uh, the military has begun to recognize that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, with the military, um, they, um, uh, you know, have a, they do have an inpatient program. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have an outpatient program. There's more of a, a little bit more of a holistic approach. Yeah. So there's yeah. more yeah. of a um, healthcare team, if you will, where sure. soldiers might have the you know the medical doctor, a therapist, right? Wow. Um, somebody who uh, knows something about addictions. So, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. Uh, Carol, how long have you been working at Fort Campbell? I've been at Fort Campbell since 2011. Okay. All right. So you've been there through our active military involvement in Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, and there have been troops rotating out of combat. You've seen, you've, you've worked with folks going in. You've seen, you've worked with folks coming home. Right. Uh, are there common challenges, common themes that you see among your military clients that may be, uh, you know, different from uh, either in type or in intensity, those uh, who don't uh, see combat? I think post 9-11 really brought about the whole thing of Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Uh And so... uh, course that's tapered down now right all of the troops mm-hmm. uh-huh. pretty much gone out of afghanistan but during that time frame and i don't know that people really realize this but the frequencies of deployments mm-hmm. are huge. oh really so a soldier may be deployed several times short term time frames like five months or seven months uh-huh. They may have had seven deployments oh, wow. back in yeah. five or six years. And that always depends on what their MOS is, you know, like what their occupation is. So if you're an infantry guy, uh, kind of a grunt front line, mm-hmm. you probably get deployed more often than, say, uh, a communications person. Uh-huh. It depends on your MOS, but many of the soldiers have been deployed um, uh, uh, quite a bit in the, in that period of time. So even my great nephew, he's been in 11 years, he's been deployed several times. Okay. Several times. So what happens is when one is deployed and you're in a combat area, you fly home in less than 24 hours and mm-hmm. you're hitting the streets of Fort Campbell. Uh-huh. Okay. It becomes a little surreal. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. That, what a contrast. You get that, that adrenaline still because you're right. in that fight mode of protecting yourself. Uh-huh. Yeah. When you get back, it's like there's this other reality. And then the wife or whoever is saying, I want to go to Walmart this evening. Let's go grocery shopping. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah. 
It's like real. So what happens is with a lot of the soldiers, in some respects, it's a little easier when they're deployed. They get three mm-hmm. hots in a cot, mm-hmm. right? Right. So taking care of them. They're wearing the same uniform, doing whatever they need to be doing on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Sure. They're interacting with their families. They're not thinking about those other kind of decisions that go on at home. Yeah. Because their their wife has that, right? Or the family right, right, right. care of all of that. So then coming back and trying to reintegrate back in to that family life. So yeah. coming back, I think is, I mean, it can be hard to going somewhere, right? And yeah. trying to psychologically prepare yourself. But coming back is a big transition. It usually yeah. takes maybe three to several months to reacclimate back into a home setting. Mm. Yeah, sure, right. sure, the sure. Family, the children, the work setting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes soldiers will say this it was easier when I was deployed. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So now I have more rule now I have more roles to play when I get back. Well, mm-hmm. Carol, are mm-hmm. there programs or um uh resources available to families who are receiving home their uh, men and women that have been away for, you know, six, seven, eight months or whatever. Um, and you know, I mean the, 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 uh, I'm, I'm sure on the home front, you know, um, military spouses have to be, uh, pretty resourceful and on top of things and keep the home fires burning and things moving and everything marching in place. And then somebody comes home from being in a highly structured environment and uh, jumps into what's maybe already a, a system in place, you know, by the, the I guess I'm, I'm, what I'm getting at is uh, how, how are we preparing people for that disruption of the two worlds colliding when people get home from these things and maybe they've developed habits they didn't have when, before they left? Right. I think social media has played a very big part Mm-hmm. people's lives and I think uh, when soldiers are coming back and that reintegration right that's a big issue sometimes people don't really know or understand that other than the person my husband's been away mm-hmm. so the spouse and I think it's multifaceted and I think this is probably an issue of concern um, because the spouses feel like they don't have as much support, mm-hmm. especially if they're coming here and they're say they're from California or they're from another country, right? So, like, oh, yeah, California is another country, I think, when you live in Tennessee. Okay, <laughs> to Tennesseans, it is okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, in Tennessee, could be another country, that's too, right, so. that's right, yeah. exactly, absolutely. absolutely, yeah, 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 okay. So with the with you know oftentimes, I'd say between the eighteen to 25, 26 year olds have a harder time because that's lower ranking. If you're just a non commissioned officer, right? You have lower rank, maybe less money, less resources, mm-hmm. and so part of our role as a military family life counselor is. Uh, when we get a referral to see somebody, because we don't have to set up appointments, we can see somebody very quickly and hopefully help them to access those resources. Yeah. Because there are some things in place, but sometimes like any government institution, one hand doesn't always know what the other hand is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the government has recognized more and more of a need for counseling, mm-hmm. psychologists, counselors, yeah, yeah, trying yeah, to yeah. utilize us in many more places on the military installations, not just in the United States, but overseas. Sure, sure. And sure. so, but yeah, it is because I was talking to a spouse the other day and very educated lady. She she has a PhD. Her wow. husband is a psychologist, and um, she's from the Washington, D.C. area. She's not from the South. And um, uh, 
just not sure how to access resources. So she feels more isolated here. Her family's mm -hmm. not here. So just having helping her to navigate the system, yeah. I think uh, for her, uh, that's very important. Uh -huh. Sure, and sure. To having those connections. So, yeah, so I think there's um, lots of issues that go on with the military that were not always recognized in the past. Yeah, yeah sure, there's a, sure. There's a saying that, you know, if Uncle Sam wanted it, the soldier to have a wife, he would have issued him one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Now, now there is probably 15 to 20 percent of women active duty forces today. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So you have some women who are uh, uh, maybe they're married. Maybe they're yeah. a civilian or there's a percentage I don't know what that number is. The husband and wife who are both active duty, uh -huh. right? Raising a family, and they try not to deploy both parties at the same time. Sure, right. And so, um, yeah, that, so that's interesting. Those yeah. are very interesting dynamics uh -huh. that go. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. How likely are? Well, let me ask it this way: Are military folks uh, any more or less prone to seek help when they find that they're on a slippery slope with a substance or a behavior? Well, I think as many people don't like to ask for help, mm -hmm. do we? Mm -hmm. Right. Particularly military, don't ask, don't tell. Because mm -hmm. you don't want anybody to know that because it can affect your military career. Correct. Yeah. Right. So you want uh, military wanted to be anonymous and confidential. Mm -hmm. And that's what we've tried to do so that that uh, information is not documented. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, if you have a soldier who's been in 15 years, we don't want to jeopardize their career. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's. So how do you handle that um, with uh, you know it, what's the dance that has to be done to uh, help someone without um, costing them all this time invested and and uh, the potential for a good retirement? Yeah, well, did their conversations with you and the fact that they're interacting with you, is that completely separate from their military sleeve? Will it not show up in the record? Right. Correct. Okay. So it's, it's confidential. It's anonymous. Mm -hmm. Okay. We don't write notes. Mm -hmm. and okay. Oh, you don't even write notes? No, we don't. Mm -hmm. Okay. We, All we right. We protect their anonymity. Now, the disclaimer is if they say, I'm going to blow up Fort Campbell tonight at 9 p.m. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, then right. we have to get the MPs involved. Uh, take, that's never happened in my career. Right. Sure. Now, I've had a few occasions where I saw a soldier. They were feeling depressed and they had some right. suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. Yeah. Well, then that becomes um, outside of the scope of my practice. Mm -hmm. Right. And I had to refer them to get some help. Yeah. Yeah. Now that can affect their career and oftentimes that has a lot to do with the relationship they have with command sure functioning level can they continue the mission of what the army wants them to do sure and i've sure. seen some soldiers get help both in counseling and addiction uh -huh. yeah and they continue on with their careers uh-huh yeah so is you know as they say you know prevention is very important if you catch something early on uh -huh. yeah just yeah, like yeah. anything uh -huh. else if you catch cancer early on right or heart disease diabetes you can um, intervene better uh -huh. yeah, yeah. And, and help that person yeah so um yeah so I, I i've seen good things out of it and i've seen ugly things out of it 
But what I've seen is people will make a decision at that point. <laughs> Do I need to stay in? Is this yeah. the best fit for me? Yeah. And I've seen other soldiers that they go on and they finish up their, uh, they finish up their careers. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Cherish, in our brief conversation before we uh, started the tape, as though there's a tape, the recording device, the digital recording, the magical thing, whatever, whatever, whatever that is, is. High tech before we push the button. Yeah. Uh, as I recall, you told me that uh, another thing that you do is is DOT, Department of Transportation Evaluations. Right. So uh, as I understand it, uh, you're evaluating long haul truckers or uh is that true? Yes. Do they need some kind of clearance, professional clearance? I, I have a big interest in uh, long haul truckers. I mean, they're the modern day cowboy. There are, uh, I suppose, millions of them out there. A lot of them are podcast listeners. Uh, they're involved in a uh, high, it's a high stress, a high responsibility, high stress job, with a ton of responsibility. And unless they're driving in a team, there uh, it's a lot of time alone. There's a lot of isolation. Um, a lot of that fuel uh, just lying around for addiction. It's uh, true, and what you're and this is very interesting too. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but there is a high number of truck drivers who are veterans. Oh, sure. Okay, Army, yeah. The Army pays for your training. A lot of right. soldiers getting out. They want a quick training. Right. The idea of truck driving. Sure, sure. Expensive training. Right. They become truck drivers because I will always ask a truck driver, are you a veteran? Yeah, yeah. And I'd say one out of every three or four is uh, a veteran. Gotcha. Okay. And you're right. I think the long haul toll of someone sitting in a yeah. truck yeah. you develop these occupational hazards like carpal yeah. tunnel. Yeah. Oh, sure. Absolutely. You know, lower yeah. back problems, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. A lot of physical problems. So a lot of what's happened more recently is the CBD oils. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Right. Yeah. So a lot of truck drivers use it thinking there's no THC in it. Right. And the thing is about CBD, it's not really uh, government regulated. Yeah. So most CBD oils have a really minute trace of right. THC. Of THC. Right. But a lot of truck drivers don't realize that. Right. Because they go- Then it gets flagged in a drug test. Is that what happens? Well, what happens is so you're doing a pre-employment. Right. And the employer says, I want you to get a drug screen. Right. No problem. Comes back positive. Right, sure. So what happens now with DOT regulations is that that person must see somebody who is what they call a, a SAP, a DOT SAP provider. So okay. that, that SAP would be a substance abuse professional. Okay. Such gotcha. as myself, because you okay. have to have a clinical background. You have to um, take some classes. You have to pass the exam. Right. You have to renew it every three years. Okay. And so what we do is um, we do an evaluation on that truck driver and they, right. we have a template that we use. We have, okay. a, we assess them. We use assessment tools. You have yeah. to see them face to face, but sure. because of COVID, you can do a video platform. Okay. And that's right. what I've been doing. And oftentimes, my experience has been that a lot of these truck drivers, they don't really have an addiction, but they get caught up. Like maybe during the holidays, they're not driving as much, right? Mm -hmm. Sure, right, yeah. Now they're getting together with their family and their friends. Yeah. Somebody says, oh, here's some marijuana or here's some good CBD oil. And they... Yeah. And, and then they, they get caught that way, right? Uh -huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, uh, but I think um, truck drivers are a special breed. And if you think about DOT, what that encompasses, right? 
So anything, you know, any kind of food that's going to the grocery store requires mm -hmm. a driver, right? Things yeah. being transported across the country, across yeah, yeah. the world. Everything re it requires some form of transportation, doesn't it? Sure, yeah. Even the barges, right? The sure, yeah, yeah. Right, so now right. the tugboat people, you know, it used to be Coast Guard, right? Used Now it's Homeland Security oh. that covers the waterways. Sure, sure. And so if a, if a um, and somebody who's... Um, uh, on the boat, they could be a captain of the boat, right? Mm -hmm. Right, right. Or a they pilot, right? Yeah, they have different ranks. Right. And uh, what will happen is they're, uh, they're doing random drug screens on people, right? Sure, right. So the guy on the tugboat, maybe he's going up the Mississippi. He shows a positive. He gets pulled off that boat for one yeah. year. For one year. For a year, really? For a year. Yeah. For wow. A year. So a truck driver, he or she, and there's more and more women mm -hmm. truck sure. drivers. Mm -hmm. There's more women uh, who are uh, going through the training these days, or husbands and wives. Sure. Right. Are becoming a pair of teams. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so, um, uh, what's happening with uh, truck drivers is. If I see them, I do the evaluation, and they really just need a basic alcohol and drug ed educational class. They don't need inpatient treatment, outpatient. Right, right, right. So I will usually just refer them oftentimes to some AA meetings, say mm -hmm. 10 or 15 of them, and then I want you to kind of – now you can go online and it can show that you've attended it as doctor. Yeah, yeah. Sure, and yeah. then I'll, after they complete that, if they're compliant, I send them out for another drug test. If that comes back negative, then I release them to go back to duty-sensitive um, mm -hmm. employment. So wow. That, so that's river traffic. We don't often think about river traffic, but there's a lot of cargo get that get, gets moved on America's waterways. How about uh, railroads? Are those are those also DOT? And do you, are yeah, railroad personnel? They're considered non-DOT. Oh, they are. Okay. For some right. reason, they have. I don't. But if you go to the dot.gov, that yeah. is the Bible. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> to anything right. you want to know about uh, uh, transportation and. So what's happened in since January 2020, DOT has a clearinghouse. Now they have a paper trail. Uh -huh. It's electronic records. Uh -huh. So if a truck driver is applying for a job with Mr. Jones, whoever, and it turns out that his urine is positive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It gets noted in his records. Oh, wow. So what happens now is if that person is now referred to me, mm -hmm. I have to go into the clearinghouse and note that I am doing the evaluation. Yeah. What he or she is doing. And wow. when I release them back to duty, it's also in the clearinghouse. So now there's a paper trail. Yeah. There was no paper trail in the past. Yeah. So you think that's for better or for worse? What do you think? Well, overall? I think there's pros and cons. Yeah. But I, I think what used to happen in the past, just like many things in life, out of sight, out of mind. Sure. So you have these mom and pop trucking companies. John says, Hey, Mr. Jones, I was drunk over the weekend. You know, my urine's going to be probably positive for alcohol. The owner says, hey, John, let's do it next week. Yeah. Now you can't do that. Right. And I think there has been an issue with um, alcohol and other kinds of addictions with truck drivers. Yeah. And they're beginning to notice that. If you notice the accidents that occur with trucks, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be weather, but there's other contributing factors. Sure, right, yeah. It yeah, does yeah. need to be addressed. Sure. 
I'd rather be safe than sorry, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah, when a yeah, truck affects yeah. the road, it affects yeah. many people. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think there could be pros and cons. Um, I think um, there are systems in place where maybe uh, the company is not as compliant. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. truck driver could call a compliance officer. So yeah. as an example, if I'm a truck driver and my boss says, hey, Carol, I want you to give a random drug screen in two hours. Mm-hmm. I get there shy of two hours and I can't pee right away. Mm-hmm. And so the that agency will say, well, we need some pee. Oh, Carol has a shy, shy bladder. Mm-hmm. So give me a little bit more time. But say you have to be somewhere else. Yeah. If you decide to leave, then that's like an admission of guilt. Oh, I see. Yeah. And then that agency can fire you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So now you want to be reinstated, right? Then you got to get an evaluation. Wow. Wow. So I bet you never imagined as a young woman joining the army in Detroit yes. that this is what you'd be doing today. Never in my wildest dreams. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that true of all of us who get to work in uh, in these helping professions, especially those of us who get to work with addicts and fellow addicts? Yeah. Uh, you know, life's a great adventure. We wind up helping in ways we never imagined we would help, doing things we never thought we'd do. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I don't know about you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change a bit of it. See, I wouldn't. I love it. I love the military, and the one thing about people, if they've had addiction issues, yeah. What I really like, you see some quick results. If someone's yeah. ready to change their lives, you see some positive results. But when you're dealing with people who have like really chronic mental illnesses. Yeah, 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 yeah. It takes a longer time to change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does. Yeah. But yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's yeah. well, Carol. How yeah. would people get in touch with you? Um, I assume you can see people virtually. Um, I absolutely and telephonically, mm-hmm. absolutely. So, and how would they? How would they access you and your help? Through my phone number, 301-956-3185. All right. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of like a, a one-person show. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. I want to be like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that people avail themselves to your uh, really unique um, bundle of experiences and and resources that you that you would be. Um, well, thank I can you. only imagine that um, one of the things that a, a military person and people in transportation and all these unique professions experience is feeling like uh, nobody understands my my history, my unique experience. So, um, so I encourage our listeners to access your your availability. Could I put all in right. just a couple of plugs before Absolutely. we leave? Sure, yeah, please. Well, one thing I must say about military, despite issues, they're pretty resilient. Mm-hmm. Yes. You bounce back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most employers love to have hire a veteran. Mm-hmm. Right. Because of that strong work ethic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hardworking yeah. people. So, um, yeah. But also, I'd like to put a plug in for my ebook. Yeah. That I published oh. in May of this year. And okay. it's called Moving Beyond Stress. Nice. Yeah. And how can people All right. grab that? Well, they can grab it by hold on, I'm sorry. It's um it's www.iuniverse, just like it sounds dot com. Okay. Okay. And look up the book. It's called Moving Beyond Stress. And it's not very expensive. It's probably about like about 12 bucks. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it's really a good tool for anybody who can read at least a sixth grade level. Mm-hmm. Okay. You could use it as a self-help. It's a great teaching tool. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. A lot of it's motivational interviewing, cognitive behavioral therapy, but also stress reduction. Awesome. Yeah, which yeah. we could all use. All right. <laughs> has, absolutely. It has a lot of good resources. And um, I would highly recommend yeah, it. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Moving beyond stress. All right. There you go. Thank From you. Dr. Carol Cherish. Thanks. Well, Dr. Cherish, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, God bless you. Blessing on your work there. Listeners, stay with us. We will be back in a moment on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. Thank you both very much. Ah, thank you. It was fun. It was fun. Welcome back to the Positive Sobriety Podcast. And um, Nate, I really, I, I, I know I say this a lot, but I really enjoyed uh, our talk with Dr. Cherish. I think, mm-hmm. you know, you could just tell she has such a heart for yeah. this population, uh, the, the various populations that she works with. Uh, but, I, you know, just having um, my son-in-law serving in the guard, he was uh, yeah. deployed when uh, my first grandson was born. And, yeah. um, you know, we've done all kinds of uh, juggling with uh with deployments and military stuff and seeing the unique challenges that these folks go through. And particularly if something like recovery and addiction is uh, in play, they need a unique audience to hear some of the things that they've experienced. And uh, so I just love, I love her approach and her uh, temperament and just all of that. Yeah. You know what I like about her? She has kind of this little mom energy going on. Yeah. Doesn't she? She very much does. Yeah. You know, she doesn't come across. I mean, obviously, she knows what she's doing, and she's 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 earned the initials. She's Doctor Cherish, but uh, but but she's not afraid to use ordinary ordinary language, and you kind of get the sense you could probably tell her anything. Exactly, which is a great yeah. a great counselor. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You don't want a counselor that you have to perform for. Yeah, I've tried. I, to, I, I've tried to go and be that that client and go in with my yeah. persona and uh, impress oh, them. Oh, uh, <laughs> I have performed for and lied to therapists. I don't know what that's all yeah. about. My my, yeah. addic- my addiction specialist, after I got sober, after I went a few weeks, you know, trying to yeah. uh, sing my accolades, uh, <laughs> when we finally got down into some, you know, more shitty material, she yeah, said, yeah. well, I wondered how long it was going to take you to get to that. <laughs> 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 oh my! Uh, so uh, I could I could hear Carol kind of maybe coming back with one of those. So uh, I could absolutely, yeah, absolutely, very, yeah. very uh, compassionate and empathic uh, yeah, soul. So yeah, I, I enjoyed yeah, that very yeah. much. Yeah, me too. Me too. Well, you did it again. You brought us another uh, good guest and a good conversation, and you've got you've got many more lined up. I'm looking ahead on the calendar, yeah. man. You do a you do a bang up job stacking up these conversations. Well, I tell you, I appreciate that, but it's getting easier because some of these folks are coming to us now. So that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a nice yeah. problem to have. Yeah. And we even have potential sponsors coming our way. I think we're going to add a sponsor. We here are. And then perhaps, another yeah. week or two, we're going to be able to yeah. um, add another, uh, another great sponsor to the show. Yeah. So, but meanwhile, our inaugural sponsor, the one that took the leap, the first, the very first one yeah. to, to notice us and say, "Hey, we would like, uh, uh, we'd like to support what you're doing." Tell us about that sponsor. Well, that sponsor is BetterHelp. H e o p BetterHelp dot com, and you hear about them everywhere. They've got great commercials and uh, yeah. on television now, and they're uh, on uh, all kinds of uh, places that. Uh, behavioral health is discussed. And the great thing about BetterHelp is that you can sign on uh, and get a licensed professional to join you in the privacy of your home, your car, wherever you feel free to talk. And you can, you can experience good online therapy with a regular um, therapist that you see uh, exclusively, or if that's not a good fit, you can change and uh, ask for another, uh, 
another option. But uh, these folks are licensed, trained professionals, and they are there for you in every area of life that you would discuss with any other therapist. And uh, if you go with betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety, you'll get a discount on your uh, subscription, your initial sign up. And also we'll get to know that uh, our resources uh, that we are offering are helpful to you. So betterhelp.com slash positive sobriety and take advantage of this online opportunity to get uh, unstuck. All right. Yeah. To get unstuck. That's really what it boils down to for most of us. I don't know about you, but I've got a great talent for getting stuck. Oh, man. I almost <laughs> gravitate to towards stuck. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, thankfully, these days, I know I know where to go to get some help, and I won't waste months or years trying to unstick myself, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Right? Right, 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 yeah, right, right. I, I'm not aiming for the ditches anymore, so that's that's at least something. <laughs> I'm not not relying uh, on the same thinking that got me where I was. Right, right, yeah. exactly. Well, that's a good thing. All right. Well, uh, I've got to go to the airport and pick my brother up. We're going to have to to wrap yeah. this conversation. Yeah, uh, it's been so good to see you. David, Absolutely. good to talk with you. Great to be with you. Uh, that was a fun conversation. I will, if I don't talk to you before then, I will certainly talk to you at this time next week. And until next week, listeners, I'm Nate. I'm David. And we are your pals <laughs> on the Positive Sobriety Podcast. The Positive Sobriety Podcast is recorded at Crossroads for the Nations in Brentwood, Tennessee. Live producer Rex Schnelli, music by Rex Schnelli, theme music by Matt Ulrich, uh, hair and makeup by Lyle Lovett, uh, wardrobe <laughs> by Kathy Gifford. 